Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weeding now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. All right, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Winter is Blooming, a Game of Thrones rewatch podcast by us, the Penny Bloom podcast. Today, we continue season four and reach the halfway point with season four, episode five, titled First of His Name, written by D&D, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, directed by Michelle McLaren. What an episode it was. I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. What's up, homie? Oh, what up, what up? Always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. Yeah, another another Got episode behind us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, read, reading through this and getting to the written by D&D, you know, I think I can, I think I kind of feel that. I think mm-hmm. I can kind of tell. Yeah. Uh, Midway through the season, you know, so I, I don't know if, if that is meaningful or not if they're just setting up for the latter half of the season or something like that but but i do agree it was a little uh it was a nice episode it was you know just not 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 as much um as previous episodes have been though no it's uh it's a pretty simple one i can't imagine this episode will be too terribly long in its discussion you know uh it's very very straightforward mm-hmm. um to the point where i had uh i had trouble picking favorites period i know I'm still like I have character blank, and I was just like, "Well, I'll, that's that's I'll... my thing is that I just went to my default. If I don't know what, if I don't have a favorite character for the episode, I'm gonna go with <laughs> Oberyn Martell. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, he was in here, so that he was, and I mean, like, it, it, it's interesting. I'll, we'll we'll talk about it just because I'm like, I, the only one that I'm like certain of is performance. You know, I'm like performance that's, that was. Yeah, I felt like it's pretty very easy. I feel yeah. like. uh but we'll we'll go ahead and get into it. We'll start in Marine. We'll head to King's Landing, the Riverlands, the Vale of the Aaron, and then beyond the Wall. So just mm-hmm. a few locations this week, but a bunch of goodies. So in Marine, in her new headquarters atop the Great Pyramid, Daenerys learns of Joffrey's death and Tommen's coronation. She is, uh, you know, a bit irritated to learn that Dario Naharis has captured Marine's navy without her saying he should do so. Just kind of being like, you know what? My queen needs ships. These people got ships. I'm going to go ahead and take these ships. Kind of respect Dario for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, might make him a contender for the favorite character as well. You know, just uh, one thing, one scene where he did one little thing. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? This was pretty solid for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daenerys being all like, well, who told you to do that now? You know, I'm the queen. I didn't think, yeah. you know, and he was just like, well. I mean, I figured you'd, you'd want them, you know, like it's, they're pretty nice to have. And she was like, well, when she like yeah. looks away and she's like holding back a smile and she's like, <laughs> you know, like she's like, mm, I got some, I, like, this man kind of fine. Mm, yeah, uh, he's like, <laughs> Damn, like I didn't tell him to do that, but that's really nice. And he's just so hot and like, so oh, man. Hot, you know, like he just, he just took, he took a naval fleet on a whim, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. 
It's pretty yeah, outstanding. I mean, in the books, they just destroyed all the ships. I was reading just through a little like trivia mm. and stuff, and that that's like a little difference they had in this episode. Interesting. And, uh, so I guess I, I want to kind of give Daenerys a crossroads, you know, I think, like I think it was also to give give her like a decision to go to Westeros or not. Like mm-hmm. um, because I think that that was like the most it was really interesting. I forgot that kind of like this was a thing that she could like she could have actually gone to King's Landing. She would have won like right yeah. now, like already like three dragons, eight thousand unsullied, whatever. And like, yeah, like she she probably would have won. But um she has to she has to if she can't she can't rule slaver's yeah. bay she can't rule the seven kingdoms and that's mm-hmm. you know i follow her logic there you know she's she's greeted by a similar situation in slaver's bay as she will in the seven kingdoms you know a bunch of people who don't mm-hmm. know her who hold no loyalty to her who you know like even in westeros i'd say she's in a worse position than she is in slaver's bay yeah. you know what i'm saying like people know her father Mm-hmm. They don't like that guy, you know. Not like that's all. a yeah. she. She's in a rough spot, you know. So like, uh, I, I support this decision, and I think it's uh, it's it is interesting hearing that about the books that this does kind of provide her a crossroads, and I think that's actually, you know, I haven't gotten to the point in the books where that's uh, where that's the case, but you know, I can give D and D some credit here. I think that's a smart move to kind of give her a crossroads mm-hmm. and present her with an obvious sort of conflict this early on a. A potentiality where she could have but that's the other thing too is that like uh it does it does paint her in a more humanitarian light you know it's like she wants to she wants to help people and this is where she can help people right now and i think that's mm-hmm. i think that's cool um, yeah i absolutely love her council right yeah, here like her her time. small council just absolutely fucks um, Jorah, just, Barristan, Dario, Masande, yeah. and Grey Worm, and like you can just tell that like Daenerys is still the true leader here, and there's no okay. question about that. But like it's open conversation that they're having, like no one's like stepping on each other's toes or trying to backstab or make a plan or formulate anything. It's just like yeah, no, we all we believe in this cause. We're we're here to help you, and we're gonna give well, you the best advice we can. Yeah, I, I love I love this council that she has and. Yeah, I think I don't know. I think they they wrote Daenerys's story pretty well. Like, I mean, it's I think so too. It's the most feel good too. You know, like the most the kind of easiest one. It's like, oh, well, sl- slavery was a thing. She made it not a thing. Now it's right. happening again. We stop it. You know, like yeah. I think it it's uh, but easy to get well. behind. Yeah, plays well here though. Yeah, no, I like all the different perspectives too. Barristan's like, I think we could do that shit easy. I think we could take Westeros. I think mm-hmm. that I think that people would flock to us because uh, they hate the Lannisters. You know, it's and they're they're tired, they're defeated, they're desperate. You know, I think we could really do some damage. And Jorah's like, Yeah, you know, I think it should be enough. But you know, what about the rest of the continent? Is everyone going to accept you? What are we going to do here? And uh, they reveal more troubling news that the wise masters have bounced back and re-enslaved every freed man in Yunkai. And although Astapor remains free, the council Daenerys, uh, the council Daenerys installed has been deposed by a butcher named Cleon, who has declared himself his imperial majesty. Uh, and Daenerys dismisses everyone but Jorah and muses that her plans are in shambles. He reminds her that she is the last Targaryen and the mother of dragons, but Danny says she needs to be more than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, she laments that if she cannot keep order in three cities, she has no hope of controlling the Seven Kingdoms. 
Therefore, she will remain in Marine and do what king do what queens do. Mm-hmm. She will rule. Um, I, and that was oh, there was a not many lines this episode. Usually, no. there's there's like a a definite like oh that one was nice. And yeah. then, I mean, this one was kind of the closest to it. Um, yeah, I really liked it, and I think it was it was more just so I can give a nod to this scene because it wasn't going to be my scene overall for the episode. But I really just it, it was getting through her her thought process, you know, like right. um, her saying that she needs to be more than the mother of dragons. That's not enough. Um, she will not sail for Westeros. Yeah, no, it was just a it was a nice delivery, and then she just walks off and then just stares out, you know, on top of the pyramid, just all queen like, you know, like um. I feel like more should have been said there to Jorah, like, oh, well, what what will you do? You know, like, what will we do here? Um, I will rule is very vague. Um, like, I, I think it's, for, you know, just for the yeah. show and everything. It, it made it look really nice and, and was cool. But, but uh, like, wh- like, where? Where are you? Where are you like, what? Like, what's what's going? I don't know. I feel like that. Jorah just kind of goes. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. all right. <laughs> uh, well, we're staying here. I'm, and that's what he advised her to do. But like, I don't. I, I think it was. You know, just really nice. And and having Jorah be the one to stay back. I loved like his his like while everyone else was walking out, he was like, "Yeah, is she yeah, asked for up. me this time, guys? Yeah, I'm I'm the one staying behind. I just I love all of that every time because." It's always been Dario every time before this, and Jorah was like, ah, all right, whatever, I'll leave. And, yeah, right. And they were all leaving. She's like, ah, not you, Jorah. And he was like, ah, finally. Around, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Barrison even gives him like a little shoulder hit, like yeah. a little like brush br- him on the shoulder. Hey, but, uh, hey buddy. Yeah. So yeah, no, he's uh, he's he's. It's been a while since we've seen them have a nice little one-on-one. Mm. Uh, and it it was nice to see, you know, it's, it's typically mm-hmm. been, you know, the full council, not a devil and angel on her shoulder, but a bunch of different yeah. perspectives where everyone's providing insight. You know, it's been a while since Jorah has been able to just go, Hey, this is what I think, you know, I'll do what you do as always. And I support that, but this mm-hmm. is what I think. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a, it wasn't where we started the episode, I don't think, but it was a good place mm-hmm. to, uh, it was a good place to kick off Daenerys' story and conclude Daenerys' story mm-hmm. for this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it started in King's Landing, but then it was Daenerys yeah, and then sandwiched. It was kind of sandwiched yeah. by King's Landing, I think. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, but that's where we're heading next because, mm. uh, we kicked off the episode actually with Tommen being crowned the king of the seven kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he makes a little, uh, you know, he's, he's, Greeting everybody who's wishing him well as king, and Varys steps up, but he looks off into the distance to find Marjorie smiling at him, and he can't help but smile back. And those uh, <laughs> longing glances are cut off as Cersei emerges between them. Uh, yeah, I, I loved her just sliding in there, like just mm-hmm. completely. She's incredible in this episode. Oh, she, she, you know what? I think I'm actually going to go with Cersei both character Ooh. and performance in this That's, one. Yeah, she gets uh, the performance, I think, without a doubt, this episode. She has a mm-hmm. lot of screen time. Like, like she's in, like, a lot, like, very good scenes, too. Yes. Like, uh, she just kept yeah. popping up and was, was very, very, I don't know, she is... A very interesting twist to her as well. Like, I think that's that's very, like, the character not as deserving here because she kind of says a lot of things that you wouldn't expect her to say. Um, yeah, you know, it, 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 
you you know she's always scheming. You know you you know that she's not being straightforward, but you also don't know that. You know, yeah, like, like she's she's being kind enough to be like, okay, you know what? My son is dead. I have one son left. My daughter's in Dorn. It it's like her it's like her priorities have shifted back to just being like, I need to be happy as a mom. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's kind of what it feels like for a little bit. I think uh, the the more scheming, like she's definitely scheming with Tywin and um, Oberyn, yes. like just the judges of the trial that's coming up. I think that that one she's just you know putting in her word. But but with Marjorie, I feel I felt like it was almost like, man, I don't have a daughter anymore, and like I'm grieving right now. I just lost one of my sons, and you know she she's like, yeah, I, I, I think she's actually like kind of accepting um, Marjorie a little bit. You know, she's like, trying to, um, yeah, and like, but, yeah, it's uh, not fully because you know, she, at at the end there, like, I don't, I know don't what even know what I will did. call you, sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so or she's mother. still still not totally okay with it, but like, there are like some times in there where she was kind of like, like trying to, um, yeah. which which was really really, yeah, you nice know, she's still see. fiercely protective of Tommen, and that's her priority, you know. So like, uh, she's obviously still very skeptical of Marjorie, who did marry her now dead son mm-hmm. um and marjorie blatantly fucking lies to her and cersei knows that uh marjorie did i think marjorie i thought it was funny the way she played this because she's not trying to be subtle i don't think yeah. um but i also think it's a really dumb idea to try and egg cersei on which is what she's clearly doing um she's getting a little yeah. cocky Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, and uh, like all the power to you, Marjorie. Like you, you are that, you are that woman. You know, like you, you, you've yeah. earned every right to be cocky. But there are certain people you got to be a little more careful around, and Cersei yeah. is one of them. And for her to uh, be like, you, like Cersei being like, you still want to be queen, right? Like you still like, is that a I thing you want to do? Like, any thought. Oh yeah, I haven't even thought about it. It's like, oh okay, okay. Like you're talking to Cersei, right? Like. Obviously, you have given. This is it a woman much... who knows what you're thinking. Okay. Yeah, like you, you have given it much. Like that was the point where I'm like, okay, now you've you've gone wait, you've gone a little too far now. Like mm. you had you were doing well, and you were you know you doing your first little half, game. And, yeah. <laughs> but, but after that, it was kind of like ah, whatever. But I don't know. I like this this moment between them was was kind of like they're still scheming. That's for sure. I think a little less than Tywin and and Oberyn, like Cersei wise, like scheming, but but she's trying to to get in like a place where she's okay with this and like mm. being like, okay, maybe you are okay for Tommen, and, and Tommen definitely needs someone, you know, like um, I, I don't know, I like uh, just the how pretty the the king's chamber or king Gorgeous, the throne room yeah. looked here, like with the red this carpet kind of like down the middle, like you see just all the council members walk up and everything. And, and one uh, thing that I was a little, uh, I I guess disappointed with, with this opening scene is that like, uh, it's a beautiful set, beautiful set piece. And I love Michelle McLaren's direction. She's just usually had prettier episodes too. mm -hmm. You know, this Mm -hmm. one was one of her more underwhelming visually. And like, you're right. The set was very beautiful, but I felt like they didn't really try to shoot it beautifully. That, you know, yeah, you know like, like it, it was the first. Like one thing that I always give Game of Thrones credit for is that it rarely feels like TV. Hmm. 
this episode felt like an episode of television. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it looked like TV and that's not necessarily a bad thing because it is the medium that it's being (laughs) told through. Uh, but it usually does have a little bit more of a cinematic flair. I think like, I think this kind of reverted to its earliest season sensibility and Mm. kind not really, a. And I, I don't know. I don't know exactly why that is, because even last episode, Michelle McLaren's direction of that one. And I, I wonder if there's a change in cinematographer between these two episodes, because mm. uh, I thought last episode was fucking beautiful visually. You know, like that's uh, it was something that, that I out to me immediately. The shots that I remember out of this episode are actually like uh, with Brienne and Podrick. Like, mm. uh, just like wide shots of them riding their horses, like just seeing all the trees like that was shot pretty well. And like. But you wouldn't expect that to be the scene that's that's like the most beautiful out of like I don't know I, I felt like a coronation of a new king should be sort of a grand you know yeah. deal there I don't I don't know but uh and it and, was just I think it was like awkwardly lit at a lot of points yeah same cinematographer as last episode too I don't really know, I don't really know what happened here um and it's not like it looks bad you know it just it just looks different you know it's not the it's not the same sort of flair that previous episodes of game of thrones have given us and uh i had that thought multiple times like i thought this this coronation was kind of boring to look at mm-hmm. i thought that uh it, it, it's a shame but it's one of the reasons i i didn't end up going with the big fight at the end i thought that was a little boring to look at you know uh like i thought mm-hmm. the action was electric but i couldn't see a lot of it That's pretty true. poorly lit um yeah. and i was watching it on blu-ray where i can usually see everything in the dark pretty fucking clearly so i was like they wow they yeah. uh, there was some, there was something about this episode that just didn't uh, didn't quite hit as well as other ones uh, visually. But regardless, uh, yeah, Cersei's fantastic in this scene, uh, and and it was off this scene with her and Marjorie that I went with her for performance, and then it only got better mm. with her. So yeah. like it was like, oh okay, this is a, this was a good one because so, uh, next she goes and talks to Prince Oberyn, who uh, is just writing poetry in the gardens. Man, that's what Oberyn's on. Uh, you know, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't also know a, poet. a poet. God yeah. damn. Maybe I do have to give him the character. If you're giving Cersei, maybe yeah, fuck right. it. I just we got to give we got to give him one it's because be he's somewhere. in the episode. Um, because yeah, I was I don't know. I was that was the only thing where I'm kind of like, man, I don't know. Like, no character really shined for me this episode, but Cersei that that is one that that I do think is deserving. But well, because this uh, this little conversation with Oberyn here, you know, it is it, it's more human than she's been in a while. You know, she is trying to get to a judge and try and sway her, sway him in her favor against Tyrion. Uh, but that never actually comes up. Mm-hmm. And it ends up just being about her daughter. And that was another reason I almost went with Oberyn is because he's got intense beef with the Lannisters. Mm-hmm. And in a moment like this, he knows who his beef is with. You know, it's not like he he, he is when he says he wants to protect her daughter, when he, he aims no harm at Marcella, he absolutely means that, you know? Oh, yeah. And I think that's something that I, uh, I really appreciated the little line that Cersei delivers there where, uh, he says like, uh, in Dorn, we don't hurt little girls. And she says everywhere in the world, they hurt little girls. Yeah. Like, it was, that was a, I don't know. That's, I guess the gardens. I always love the gardens. Scenes. Um, Oh, okay. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. No, yeah. So, that, like, I, I, this, this portion of the episode kind of dominated it for me because that was also when I thought it was visually good looking. These wide mm. shots where they were like small on the mm-hmm. screen and they showed like the giant landscape and the arch they were walking between. Fucking gorgeous. Mm. 
Oh yeah, and then like the king, like the or I guess not king's guard, but just some. Yeah, right. I don't know what you call them. Just their bodyguards, like while they're walking down like the path mm-hmm. and the gardens, like yeah, this this was a was pretty nice looking. Even like the ship that Cersei wants to give. Marcella showing that, like, yeah, this yeah. this probably was the most beautiful part of the episode, um, and yeah, I, I don't know, I loved I loved their interaction here. It was was very like Cersei just checking in on her daughter. Like, I haven't seen her in so yeah. long. Like, I don't even know if she's okay. Like, she was like, I want to believe that yeah, she's, she's happy. like, I missed her last birthday, and I don't know when I'm going to see her again. So, can you please get this to Dorn for me? Like, it's it, it's a rare, you know, every once in a while, Cersei shows this flair of vulnerability that I always really, really appreciate. And when mm-hmm. those moments shine through, it's hard not to choose her because she's so prickly and thorny and mm-hmm. rude so much of the time that whenever she is honest, it's kind of like it's kind mm-hmm. of refreshing. I wonder if that is her game, her plan here. Like that is her scheme to not even bring up the the case at all, but just to make Oberyn seem Feel that bad. Cersei is just like a, a caring mother, you know, right. like uh, and and that she's not just wanting her her brother to be executed or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I I feel like this well, was she... more like this was more real here. Like this was like she just really cares about her daughter and hasn't seen her in a long time, and this is one of the only people that she can talk to about how she's doing, you know, like right. who, who has actually seen her. There her is a brief bit. moment when the trial comes up where he goes, you know, we will have a trial and we will, uh, we will mm. get to the truth. And she goes, yeah, we'll have a trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's like, she's no, like, I'm gonna yeah. kill my brother regardless, bro. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's, that's happening, you know, uh, which yeah. is, uh, it's, it's pretty fucking funny. I, and so like, yeah, I'm, I'm confident with my decision. I think I'm going to mm. go with Thirsty. This is also my scene. She's also my performance. Um, and I'm sure I could have gone with that line, you know, but I, yeah. I ended up taking it somewhere else for that. But I'll, uh, this, I'll soft slot in Oberyn for right now, mm-hmm. and then maybe the rest of the episode something will reveal itself. I don't know. Yeah, but that was know, the like, only this one, is one of those rare ones where nobody sticks out, and that's mm-hmm. not necessarily like a strength of the episode. You yeah. know, usually it's like everyone was so awesome. This week it was just kind of like everyone was just kind of there. So yeah. it was like, eh, you know, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um but soft uh, Oberyn for right now, which is the fi- every episode that he has been in, I have given him a yeah, nod. So that, far. that was the case for so. me up until up until <laughs> yeah. this one. So. Um, but nevertheless, we'll move on to Tywin, where he uh, he is sitting down with Cersei once again, and uh, he explains their problem with the Iron Bank of Bravos. You know, he he asks, you know, what would be your guess? How much gold do you think comes out of the Westerlands in the last year? She's like, I don't know, pounds, tons, ounces. He goes, doesn't matter. All the same. She goes, no fucking way, dog. We're supposed to be the richest family in the realm. Uh, and he's like, nope, we ran dry years ago. Um, we owe the Iron Bank of Bravos a tremendous sum of money. How much? Mm-hmm. A tremendous sum. Uh well, surely there's something we can do. We're the Lannisters. We can just talk our way out of it, right, Dad? No, probably not. not. Uh, we'll not figure it out, though. One. Yeah, not not this one. And I love how it's like uh, the richest family is just like who can mine the most gold at this point. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like you actually just have to go find the money. Like instead of well, it just being the Westerlands, some... their mm-hmm. houses were built. They live in the Westerlands. That's where Casterly Rock is. So like. They just kind uh, of erected their palace on top of a gold mine. 
literally, ah, and that's okay. why they are rich. Um, and maybe there's that. history there where they took that from some some other family or something. But I'm pretty sure Casterly Rock's like the ancestral mm-hmm. home of the Lannisters. Yeah, um, but it's not like <clears throat> I love how it's just nowadays money's just kind of like made up. It's just like, well, right. we we say that we're in this much debt, but it doesn't really actually mean anything. Or we just kind of trust that our dollar is a dollar. But mm. in the, like in this world, it's like, no, yeah, we just we mine gold, and then it just it just it's dry now, so we don't have any more money. Like I don't know what to do now. Um, but no, I mean, we're, I, we're literally out of it. So I was trying to think of um, like what happens with the Iron Bank and everything because like. I don't know. I I just forgot a lot of those scenes and like what... this is yeah. This is an interesting little part of the rewatch that I'm excited for, simply because they're doing a lot to build up the Iron Bank, which mm-hmm. uh you know because they had the conversation with Davos a couple episodes ago where he was like, oh, I need to write a letter to the Iron Bank. We're gonna figure this shit out. I think there was even another mention of them a couple episodes back. Uh, beyond that. Um, and then to get a firm, like, explanation of what the Iron Bank is here, you know, he's like, people come and go, you know, one person, you know, bends the rules, they're just replaced, mm-hmm. and the, the temple remains standing yeah. for for centuries. It is a temple. Yeah, yeah. It's not, not just a building, this is a temple here. Uh, with, I, I just, Tywin can just... I mean, I hate, I hate the guy and everything. Oh he no, does. but he can speak. God damn, is he? Just, yeah, he just has a way with words. And um, we only got five episodes left with him too, so like, I'm gonna appreciate Charles Dance. You know, he's a, dies he, at the end of this season. That happened. Yeah. that's right. Oh my god, that yeah. does happen the on the toilet. Finale. And that's probably the most out of like, I mean, not the most out of nowhere death in Game of Thrones, but like, in terms of like their prominence. Mm. At the time of their death, you know, when it came to like Joffrey, you're begging someone to kill this guy. You, you, you're you're thinking True. it's only a matter of time before <laughs> someone assassinates this kid. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like this kid has even, to die at some point. When it finally Ned. happens, you're super excited. You didn't see it coming, but you're like, oh fuck yeah, finally! You know, uh, even the Ned, red wedding. Like Ned's huge, but you he was in a cell waiting for his execution, so you're kind of yes. like, okay, yes. so that's happening. You didn't think you it, mm-hmm. anything that led you to be like, this isn't going to happen is pure denial, you know? Like, uh, it, it's that's yeah, that's all like, that no, was. Yeah, no, Ned, not Ned. When yeah, it but, came to the red wedding, mm-hmm. you know, you don't expect them to die and be brutally murdered as a family, but Rob's power is slipping away. He's getting desperate. Mm-hmm. The war is being lost. There's At only war. one way he can, yeah. You know, he, he is at war. So, I mean, yeah. it's like, and that one, I guess, is, is the most shocking out of any of them. Because, I mean, it is the red way. It's just the way it did happen. Not yes. that they did yes. die, but just the way that it, it took place. Yeah. Uh, but, no, man, it, Ty, it, it, yeah, that Tywin is kind of like. It's kind of a, whoa, you know, because, like, here we are five episodes away from his death. Where he's like the true signs, like that he, he is not going to be the most powerful man in Westeros for years to come. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's always like, oh, now that Tommen's in, he's like, now he can truly rule. You know, like now, now Tywin has full reign and he can manipulate everything and do whatever he wants. And I guess this would actually be the first little hint that things aren't as good for the Lannisters as we previously thought. The the Westerlands gold mines had run dry and they are mm. out of money. They are severely in debt. You know, like when Tywin dies, that just gets passed on to Cersei and 
Tyrion and was because in this in this it says that she talked to Oberyn first and then Tywin, but in the episode was it? I think it was Tywin and then Oberyn actually. Okay, so maybe. Oh, never mind. I was thinking out of order. I was um, because Tywin was talking about how like the Tyrells will help us very very much in mm. this endeavor. Like they will pay for all of our debt. Basically, like we don't have any more money. They have a whole lot of it. We need them. Um, and I, I was trying to think if, like, maybe that's why Cersei was sweet-talking Marjorie and saying, like, Mary, um... Oh, no, that was you know, that, that definitely was first, so that, that wasn't happening there, but, uh... Yeah. But, on but a still, very... this was one of those rare scenes where Tywin kind of treats Cersei like she's, hmm. uh, you know, an equal. Poured her a glass. Yep. Get, you know, he doesn't drink. You know, I, I, I just... Never does, but because at first I thought he was pouring a drink for himself. I thought he was like, he's like, man, we're fu- we're in debt. I'm fucking stressed. Like, I'm just gonna take a drink. But he's then like, he hands. I know it, you like some wine. Yeah, here you go, like, honey. Here you go, my uh, yeah. alcoholic daughter. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, no, I think it was it was a very not nice father daughter. You know, seeing that they're just talking about like politics and whatever. But this is how they how they get along. This is what they talk about and like all they care about. So, like, this is the most father-daughter you can kind of get between Cersei and and Tywin. Um, oh man, yeah, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed that scene a lot, and you mm-hmm. know, I'm I'm only being reassured in my decision to go with Cersei, so I'm uh, I'm mm-hmm. happy with it. But that I was agree. just a nice little informational piece about the bank, uh, the Iron mm-hmm. Bank of Bravos, because uh, we do we do go there a few more times. Um, I think season five they become even more prominent. Uh, if I remember correctly, I might be, I don't know, because that's when we actually go to Bravos, you know? Yeah. We, we spend a lot of time in Bravos with Aria. So that's mm-hmm. and like, I like, I like Bravos. Everything I like Bravos. Bravos a lot. I mean, man, just getting over. Yeah. Give me, I can't wait for that story to start. And when Aria gets over there, uh, man, it's yeah. just great. Like so much happens like it's it's crazy that like Arya's just chilling with the hound right now like just kind of right roaming around she just oh yeah she'll go over with the faceless men she'll become you know a, a a serious assassin um and everything eventually but in the meantime we'll just we'll hang with her and the hound for now fucking um, for real man you know there's uh there's 83 episodes of this show if i remember correctly no 73 73 episodes of this show i believe uh, six six seasons of ten episodes. Season seven is seven episodes. Season eight is six episodes. So seventy three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is episode thirty five. Wow! So we are we are fast halfway. approaching the halfway yeah. point of the show, uh, mathematically. Um, and to think that hardly anything of what this show becomes has come to pass is kind of insane. You know, like the the grand mm-hmm. spanning of this story is so massive that like we, we're we're not even to the point where all of our characters are even kind of close to being developed. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I mean, it's just the sheer number of them. Like, it's yeah. just you have to take that much time to get them all set up, and then finally, I think this this is like the turning point. Or I, I don't know, like a. Something like after this season, every yeah, every character's kind shit. of reached their yeah. peak, and then now they can just go yeah. um, in season five and and tell the stories they want. Um, 
But man, um, I mean, they, they do a good job of of building up the hype and making everything, you know, slowly burn over time and and everything mm-hmm. like that. I I do like that, but well, and there's still like, we'll, 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 never mind. We'll get here because I, mm-hmm. I want to talk about like a pretty massive reveal that just kind of gets swept under the rug, um, in this mm-hmm. in this episode. But uh, in the Riverlands, next up on the road, Podrick proves to be a bit of a hindrance to Brienne of Tarth as he has problems with his horse and accidentally sets fire to a rabbit because he didn't skin it. Uh, and Brienne tries to get rid of Podrick by releasing him from the vow he swore as his squire, as her squire, but to no avail. And uh, they are bound for Castle Black, where Brienne believes Sansa may have taken refuge with her half-brother Jon Snow. And Brienne questions Podrick about his duties as, quire, as a squire to Tyrion. You know, uh, have you ever cooked... No, my lady, that was the cooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. Yeah. You know, what What did you do? Uh, well, I kept the sheets clean. I killed cleared the table. Yeah, I killed someone. I, I guess I mostly just poured wine, though. Yeah, right. is what, you know, it's like uh, the Godrod pod. You know, he's he just Godrod doesn't pod. have a lot of wilderness experience. You know, he know, he can work his way around a bedroom and in, in, in a, a wine glass, you know, but... But out in the the real world, outside of King's Landing, he's just no, not, not that a lot of, yet. Not a lot of squire skill, you know. Uh, still mm-hmm. loyal as the loyal as the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But uh, Podrick reveals how he killed Sir Mandon Moore of the King's Guard by shoving a spear through his head when he tried to kill Tyrion during the Battle of Blackwater. A little bit of a foreshadowing potentially for the end of this episode, actually. Um, yeah. Or you know. Brienne's mm-hmm. like, okay, okay, respect. Yeah, yeah she was like, so you, I bet you don't even have any battle experience. What have you done? He was like, well, yeah, I guess I did kill a king's guard. And yeah. he doesn't even say that he was at like, the Battle of Blackwater. Like, you know, yeah. like, he could have just said, yeah, I was at Blackwater. Like, I was there during that. But he was like, no, yeah, I killed a king's guard defending Tyrion. You know, whatever. He's trying to kill him. And it was at the Blackwater. You know? Like, it was, the Blackwater was like a, like a, a, a secondary detail. Yeah. And it's like, and she was like, oh, Okay. She's like, oh, well then. You um, can go ahead and remove this shoulder piece yeah. for me then. Uh, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed this scene and I enjoy all the little relationships that are built over the course mm-hmm. of the show, man, because I'm pretty sure Podrick kind of rides with Brienne. That's what I was trying the to The rest think. of the show. Yeah. Um, because Tyrion goes across the narrow sea. He's not in Westeros for mm-hmm. the rest of the show. He, he ends up getting trained by Brienne as a knight and stuff and goes to Winterfell with her and stuff. And mm. like, he's just kind of with her the rest of the time, which is cool. You know, and the, their relationship is one that I'm excited to see fleshed out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But that concludes it there. I think, and that's, that's kind of a lot of what this episode is. It's just like a lot of just setting up a little, little things to happen later. Um, not necessarily where we are going yeah Yeah. but uh nice nicely shot here i like i like i remember that just like a a wide shot of them like just riding their horse and pod can barely ride his horse as well which i think is hilarious um but beautiful i don't know this was was pretty nice looking here but uh short and sweet though not much much there but enjoyed it enjoyed it anytime i can get with pod and Brienne. I mean, yeah, both both this of them. Is, they're just a couple of sweethearts, man. They're mm-hmm. you know, there's just a few people in this show who are genuinely like sweet. Not even just like good people, but like yeah. they're f- extremely friendly. And these are two of the most friendly people in Westeros. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see them come together. Yeah. yeah. 
But uh, next, we're heading to the Vale of the Aaron, where we encounter who might be the least likable character <laughs> of the uh, episode. Uh, where And, you know, this is one of those characters where I'm going to credit D&D a little bit for their... Uh, their weird their their writing sensibilities for the way Lisa Aaron comes off. Yeah. I know that she's supposed to be crazy, but uh Yeah, is, is it the- is it just that Sansa is at her crazy aunt's house? You know, like if you put this in the modern world and it's like Sansa lost her parents, so she has to kind of stay with her aunt for a little bit. And in the modern world you just have a weird aunt, you know, that's not your parents, so it's a weird foreign home or whatever. You think you'll be at home but not. But like I think they took it a little. Took it in a weird. Uh, it, <laughs> One of my things with Lysa Aaron in this episode specifically is that uh, her, hey, uh, people can be horny, man. That's, <laughs> that's 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 cool, you know. Yeah. I've never seen anyone be this horny, you know, like believably. Um, yeah. I guess Littlefinger did start a a war. Mm-hmm. without no, anyone knowing emotion, and, is... and she's the one who kind of knows all of it so like maybe she's just attracted to that you know like uh he's, yeah the secrecy and, of it all you know yeah. but you know I, it's... yeah i don't know i i can't i can't defend it at all really. like i can't like no, I, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, like that's yeah. the thing though is that it's also not i don't think it's entirely out of character for lisa you know she's been shown to be a little nutty you know, and that's 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 kind of the case, but uh, I don't think we ever saw her have a deep disdain for her sister, which she seems to be presenting pretty hard in this episode, mm-hmm. and a disdain that extends to her niece, um, mm-hmm. all because Peter's affections went to Catelyn and not her. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just kind of a uh, it's kind of a bizarre character that I haven't. Uh, you know, it, it, she hasn't been on screen a lot, so it's hard to be like, this is out of character. But it just feels a bit extreme compared to what she's been like. And you'd think the further removed she got from all the nonsense. Yeah. The more... The normal. more sane she would become. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I don't know. I don't know. But regardless, uh, Peter and Sansa arrive safely at the Bloody Gate where Peter tells them that Sansa is, uh, you know, uh, his his niece. And upon arriving at the Erie itself, Sansa tries to slip into her alias, but her aunt, Lysa, tells her not to bother around her own flesh and blood. Lysa laments Sansa's treatment in King's Landing, ignoring her niece's attempts to defend Tyrion's character. And Robin Aaron, the kid who uh, ate breast milk until he was like (laughs) fucking 12, is Mm -hmm. delighted to see Peter and to show his cousin Sansa the moon door. He loves the moon door, that little that little shit. I wanted to make the little man fly, but I couldn't. What do you what do you mean fly? Like Sansa was like, "What what does that even mean?" He, uh, but yeah, this there this is a nut a nut job of a house, right? Yeah, here. Like, this, this is, is a, this is a rough family. Peter's <laughs> like, "You know what? I th- I think I need to steer this place in the right direction." You know? <laughs> Peter is the most sane one there. Like I guess Sansa is probably Yeah, but like it, it, out of that family, like it, yeah. when Littlefinger's the most level-headed one, that's that's a recipe for disaster there. Yeah, yeah, uh, no shit. But uh, Lysa is apparently finally given Robin some independence and reminds him never to reveal Sansa's identity and tells him to show her to her chambers. And uh, the instant they leave, 
Lysa is like, let's get married right fucking now. Uh, and you know, he's like, ah, I don't know if that's a good idea. And she's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. What about John? What about me poisoning his wine at your instruction? How about, you know, the, the letter you told me to write to Catelyn saying it was the Lannisters? Uh, that happens in the first fucking episode, dog. That's a, uh, that's a massive fucking reveal. You know, yeah. that just, I think people kind of lose sight of when talking about the show is that Ned's investigation is a fucking folly in season one. You know, like he's, he's yeah. looking into the killing of John Aaron, which Lannisters had every reason to do. And it was entirely believable that they would have done it. Uh, I mean, like completely orchestrated by Littlefinger. Like yeah. this is, it's nuts. Like I never, like it was kind of this episode that I'm like, oh my God, like Littlefinger is like really responsible. Like, for yeah. all of this, like he, he's like, everything. like I knew that he he was scheming and and trying to do this and and you know create chaos and everything, but like, I mean, this was a like, different level of chaos. It literally yeah. plunged the realm into war on a scale it hadn't seen in centuries or not yeah. centuries, decades, I should say. Robert's Rebellion, mm -hmm. but uh, but man, yeah, and, and I don't know. It's kind of like he shuts her up by just kissing her, you know, being like, and don't you know speaking it makes it real or you know whatever yeah. <laughs> so they kind of they kind of downplay it then and there and it's like it doesn't really get you have a lot of time like to sit and think about what's happening and it's just kind of moving on yeah there, but and like, that's one of the examples where i'm like i'm curious how this interaction played out in the books or if they were just like mm -hmm. um because I, I i love a good reveal and sometimes the only way to do that is through some really heavy exposition um but that's one of the things in this scene that's just like it's straight up just a character being like i did all this stuff what you know like that's because yeah. I, I know she's using them as proof of her love for Littlefinger. i don't know i don't know that this would come up you know <laughs> like I, yeah no i don't know yeah it is kind of weird and out of place. I don't know how else they'd really go about it. No, and that's the thing um, is that, like, if you want to reveal but, a bit of information like this, it has to be through exposition-heavy mm -hmm. dialogue. If it's not this, it's Peter explaining his master plan. You know, like, it's 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 some shit like that. But regardless, I, I think it, it works because I remember watching it for the first time and being like, oh, motherfucker, mm. what? Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, he's... he's he is the schemer. Um, and it kind of recontextualizes a lot of stuff with Lysa, you know? Like, she fled King's Landing after that. After poisoning John Aaron because she was, quote-unquote, afraid of the Lannisters, but it's because she killed John, and they're framing the Lannisters for doing mm -hmm. it. Uh, whenever she's insisting that Tyrion killed her husband. Mm -hmm. She knows that's not the case. You know, like, yeah. uh, it, it's and just... Even... I, I think, like, didn't Kat ask her, like, hey, can you send some troops? Or, like, some, like, the Starks were like, mm. hey, can you help us out? And she was like, no, I, I need, I need to protect my, my son, or whatever, you know? Or, like, like, in just making up an excuse to be like, no, uh, we want you guys to fight and kill each other so that, uh, this mm -hmm. war can continue. Like, it's, it changes a whole changes lot. Stuff. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I really, I, I think it's a great reveal, and I think it's a great storytelling device, and it just, it makes, mm hard to make Ned's death mean even 
less, you know, like, uh, because I mean, like it meant a lot. It's, it, it officially plunged the realm into war and stuff. But the fact that that was like Peter's plan mm-hmm. was like, if we can kill the warden of the North and pit the Starks against the Lannisters, the realm's fucked. Uh, yeah. And he was right. I yeah. mean, he, he was right. It's written this way. So, like, I mean, it, you know, it's not like he, like, it was, it was going to happen this way. But, right, but I don't right. know. I, lo- I, I love the, the kind of manip, the brainiac, the manipulate, like all that, like behind the scenes sort of stuff. And, mm. you know, can't really get behind Littlefinger too much. Um, no. Nah, and, you know, but, you, you were speaking to the whole, like, it's written that way. But, you know, it's like, it's still, it's, it's all the more impressive that they were able to recontextualize something that already mm. worked. And still make it believable and not be like, oh, well, that changes everything and makes it make no sense. No, it it all still makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's that's impressive. You know, Mm. Uh, I think they did a good job with that. But uh, regardless, uh, you know, Peter can't stop Lysa. She's like, we're going to get married today. In fact, the people are waiting (laughs) outside right now. Let me just open this door. Um, And when she opens the door, she's like. What's up, guys? I'm gonna fuck my husband tonight, and I'm gonna scream. What's up? Uh, go ahead, Sept. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> like okay, like I mean, could have said I'm so grateful to marry my husband, you know, or like I, 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 I've been waiting for this day for a, anything else. Um, I don't know, just apart from sex. I, 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 I mean, that's obviously part of it, you know? No, no, happen. yeah, it's, it's something she's but very like, clearly excited for. And, you know, I think there's, you know, maybe this is why she's crazy. Maybe she hasn't had a good lay uh, hmm. in decades, you know? That's maybe fair. it has been since Robin was born that, you know, nothing's nothing's been going down, uh, which will drive drive anyone crazy mm-hmm. uh, if... Uh, if you're into that sort of thing, I guess I didn't think uh, about that. Yeah, maybe it just has been quite a while, and uh, and then she finally found, you know, I guess her. How long have uh, her and Peter like been a thing? Um, since before the beginning of the show. Yeah, so like, you know, like a. So have like, but they haven't. Well, he served his little uh his uh. He grew up around Lysa and Catelyn, you know? So, like, there's a possibility that he was always longing for Catelyn, but Lysa was always longing for him. And uh, yeah, so there's, yeah. like, this little chain of people who are into each other. Um, and Peter's never actually given it thought until it can benefit him. You know, like, that's a... Uh, mm. Yeah, and you can tell he was he was trying to get out of this, like, the marriage, like... He was like, all right, well, let me go fresh. You know, he's like, ah, oh, well, maybe you had to let, you know, some a little bit later. She's like, no, today. Okay, fine. We'll do it today. Uh, let me go freshen up. Let me go get some clothes on. Let me be dressed for the occasion. He's like, nope, it's happening now. Um, which I, I don't know. I just thought was, was pretty, pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they really, uh, yeah, she was, she was really screaming, you know, yeah. uh, oh, yeah, Sansa course, had a tough time falling asleep. She just can't uh, get anywhere comfortable. Like she just like nope. everywhere she goes, it is just hell for her. And it's well, and that's uh, the thing is that like uh, it sucks that she thought she was getting out of a terrible situation and she was going to be safe and everything was going to be fine. And then later on, Lysa has a meal with Sansa, giving her some lemon cakes, and she's like, "Your mom always had a sweet tooth, and you know we had to keep her keep her from overeating because she was the eldest daughter, and we couldn't let her become undesirable." 
uh and she's like my mother fat <laughs> mm-hmm. and then uh she's like do you grow the lemons up here how did you even do this and she's like no peter had crates of lemons brought from the crownlands because she knows he knows you love them why uh why would he do something like that sounds yeah. like i don't know he's a very kind man she's like no why would he do something like that? And all, and you're like, oh, this poor fucking girl, man. She can't catch a single fucking break. Mm. Uh, and then this is what makes me go, never mind. It wasn't about getting fucked. Uh, <laughs> she is just nutty. Um, I don't know. There might be, when I was watching, uh, she, she's asking, like, if she ever did anything with Peter. You know, because mm-hmm. obviously she's crazy about him. But then also she's like, well, anyone else? Like, have you, what, obviously, you know, you're young and, you know, whatever. Have you done it with anyone else? She's like, no, I promise. Like, I'm a virgin, whatever. And then she's like, once she heard that and she was like, okay, she is telling the truth. She's like, okay, now I'll, we'll we'll think about this, this arranged wedding, you know, marriage now. Like, I think, like, it was part of it was to get her to confess that she is still a virgin and not undesirable. In like you know like in Thrones universe or whatever that she is still a a clean bride to have or what however you want to word it. Um, yeah, but I think no, it's because that's who she she initially denies having slept with Tyrion. Mm-hmm. You know, have yeah. you have you slept with anybody? And she's like, I never I never slept with Tyrion. You know, the the marriage was never yeah, constant. Right. She's mm-hmm. like, I'm not talking about Tyrion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's like, uh, yeah. You know, what what have you let Peter do with your young little body? Uh, okay, Liza. Okay. Yeah. And then whenever she like breaks into tears and she like hugs her and she's like, it's all right, child. Everything will be okay. I'm like, oh my God. Thank God Peter makes this woman fly. You know? Uh, how soon is that? Uh, uh, within an episode or two. Oh, thank like, God. That okay, is very good. soon. Yeah, I, um, okay. Thank God. Um, maybe, I I mean, maybe that's why. Just, Make her a, just a nutcase just so that whenever she does die, it's like, ah, okay. Good. Yeah, we're a little bit more, I mean, but like, that's the thing is Littlefinger's evil. Like, I. That's true. He'd do that yeah. to anybody if it meant that it gave him soul power. So like, mm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't weird, know. Weird way to go about it, I guess. Um, yeah. They just, they, you know, it's, it's fun to have another character that's just fucking nutty, you know? <laughs> uh. And the I was reading some trivia. The lemon cakes here, um, they had to shoot this scene multiple times just to get like the emotion and everything right. And she had to eat a lot of lemon cakes, like she like oh. over and over and over. And apparently, she like hates like she she like did oh, not eat them. Sophie Turner all. actually yeah, does so, like yeah, like in cakes. real life, like no, she she liked them. I think, but like after the scene, after eating so many, she was like, all right, that's enough, like for a while. Like she was like, that's funny. I, it was like written like she didn't voluntarily eat another lemon cake for quite some time or something like that. <laughs> like so, I don't know. Just a, a thing to think about. That's like I'm watching all these characters and just assuming that it's like yeah, first it, like I'm not even thinking about multiple takes having to be had or like. How to set up the camera? It's just like, yeah, I'm in the show, but then it's you realize, insanely like, insanely well performed, man. Yeah. They're like, uh, it, these are real it's people. Kind of uncanny like, that way. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's bizarre to think that someone yells "cut" and then you know Sophie Turner and this woman playing Lisa Aaron. I don't know her name, but let me see if I can't find it real quick. It should be right here. Katie Dick Dicky, Kate Dicky, Kate Dicky. Um, yep. Apparently. She was actually in The Last Jedi, fun fact. 
Really? One of our little crossovers. She's just a random first order officer. Mm. Um, who oh, dies pretty quickly. Um, the Northman? Um, I guess. Haldora the, the Picked? Um, I know I still haven't seen that. I need I need to watch that, but okay. Epic fucking yeah. movie, that one. And Star but, Wars uh, Visions, apparently. Uh, um, okay, wow. Yeah, an officer voice, but okay. Um, crazy here. Uh, that's yeah, for sure. Nuts. Nuts just... indeed. But uh, we then head on over down the road uh, where Sandor and Arya continue to, you know, have their disagreements, but also become more cool with each other, et cetera, mm. et cetera. You know, Arya's trying to fall asleep, but she has to say all the names before he falls asleep. She's, <laughs> she's like, I have to say the names. And he goes, the names of every fucking person in Westeros. <laughs> yeah. Their, their relationship is just so good. Like, it's she's like, there's only one more. Yeah. I have one more name. <laughs> and he's like, go on, fucking say it. Finish it. Do what you need to do. The hound. Mm. Yeah, very. Well, you know, he like, I, he like looks up. He's like, "Oh, okay, okay, right. I see." Like a little bit of respect, but also like maybe uh maybe I watched my back a little bit as I thought. You know, maybe I didn't read it right. Yeah, um, but a nice. You know, no, she didn't kill anyone here. Uh, attempted to kill the hound, I guess. Um, didn't quite work, um, <laughs> but. No, no additions there on the kill list. Just a, a very, a nice. We get the whole thing. Yeah. So she had said Red Woman, Beric Dondarrion, and Thoros of Mir on the kill list before. Well, I guess whenever I was taking them down, um, it was. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I guess I have been tracking what who she says. Um. So let's see. Um. The Mountain and Polliver, the Tickler. By, oh no, that was Jack and Agar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she thought about Tywin. Um, accuses the Hound of murder. Okay, so you yeah. you you've been taking down the people she kills, not necessarily the kill list. Gotcha. Yeah, and then like almost kills. If she almost gotcha. killed something, I, I kind of tracked down. But yeah, this one I guess. Uh, she, she does, does attempt to murder. She that does. is true. Attempt uh, the hound. Uh, there was an attempt there. Uh, not yeah. And this was another contender for my favorite scene. Uh, whenever she's explaining, you know, he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And she's like, "I'm uh, I'm training." He's like, "What the fuck for?" Uh, no, nobody cusses as well in this show as as the hound. You know, uh, nobody yeah. drops quite as good an f bomb as mm. the hound. Mm-hmm. Um. I feel like every line could feature a fuck, and I I wouldn't even I wouldn't think twice about it. You know, it'd no. just be like it's just how it's he just, speaks. That is just his vocabulary is yeah. just fifty percent cuss words almost. Like, <laughs> but yeah, but no. uh, you know, she's like, uh, I was trained by the greatest swordsman who ever lived, the first sword of Bravos. He goes, Bravos. Mm. Uh, I hate that he was, probably had greasy hair, didn't he? They all have greasy hair over there. Uh, and she, she's like, hey, 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 not cool, not cool. Uh, <laughs> he was dope. He was fire. He trained me how to do this. And, yeah. she, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. just all twirling around and like, mm-hmm. um, I forgot what, what the hound says to like actually, oh no, he actually is like, no, take a shot at me. He's like, yeah, go ahead. Like, do what you want or whatever. No, like, uh, well, this, this um, part did give me my favorite line and it's where, uh, you know, he's like, uh, <laughs> 
Oh, who was the who was the greatest swordsman who ever lived? Sir, uh, he was Sirio Pharrell. Was yeah, he was mm. killed by who? Marin Trant, the greatest swordsman in the world, that's right. killed yeah. by Marin fucking Trant. That's that's my favorite line. That yeah. was good. He, yeah. He was like, the back and he... forth they had. Yeah, like, <laughs> he oh, didn't have a sword. Like, come on. <laughs> he didn't have a sword. The greatest swordsman in the world didn't have a sword. And <laughs> she she's just slowly backing down. And then she, you know, she attempts the kill. And he goes ahead and knocks her down and holds the sword to her throat and goes, Marin Trant killed your man because he had armor and a big fucking sword. Yeah. Uh, I'll let, you know it's always, uh, I like the, I don't know if it's a trope, but just like a, the, whenever someone is castle trained and not like real world trained, but then it comes they get up that a couple lesson. times in this one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that one. Uh, I think that's, that's why the fight is a little underwhelming at the end there. I think it's kind of, they're learning these lessons. Like the real world is not like it was in your castle whenever you're, you know, learning with your sword, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, Art like really gave her a good slap there. Like yeah, I mean, really it was like the shit out boom. Of like I, I don't know. I literally got me to be like, oh fuck! Like I, like while I was watching, I, like I I, don't I mean, know, like, how how else like, do you respond to someone <laughs> legitimately trying to kill you? You know, like it's yeah. No, I mean it's it's fair here. You know, and <laughs> she'll remember. I mean, she'll remember this lesson. I feel like it's. It's not not a dance lesson, quite the opposite quite. of a uh, of a Syria lesson here, but uh, quite yeah. indeed. The greatest swordsman in the world, killed by Marin fucking Trant. That's it's more the delivery than it is the line itself. Uh, Rory He's McCain so is good. just so fucking good as Sandor. Uh, but uh, we then head beyond the wall. We're at Craster's Keep. Locke is scouting the 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 Night's Watchmen mutineers. Uh, and in his reconnaissance, Locke finds the hurt Brandon Stark, and he finds exactly where he's being held captive. And reporting back to Jon Snow and the others, Locke tells him that there are 11 traitors present. Most of them are drunk and won't pro- provide much of a threat. He also says we need to avoid the westernmost cabin because they got hounds locked up in there. You don't want to worry about that. You don't, you know, you, you don't mm-hmm. worry about that. Don't go over there. <laughs> um, he's like, okay, dope. Sounds good. Um, and believing Locke. They agree to uh, attack at nightfall, you know, get some rest. We we ride, we ride at dawn mm. or, or dusk, I suppose. Uh, but that night, Carl enters the prisoner's hut, you know, really excited to give give Mira a run. Um, Eesh. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. This, like, a character, I'm not going with, with uh, whatever, Carl, definitely. And that's not where I'm going here, but uh, right, a right. character that, that might might actually give Oberyn a run for his money here is Jojen. Um, oh yeah. In this scene, Jojen was actually pretty cool here. Um, and mis- like just mysterious and, mm. you know, being like, no, every, everything will be okay. But like how he talks to Carl, like, yeah. no, I, I can help you. Like I, I, I have the sight. I can, I can see things that haven't happened yet. And Carl's he's like, like, you're going to fucking die, dude. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's like, have you seen what I'm about to do to your sister? And he's like, no. Cause he knows like, you know, maybe that's not how the site works. Like he doesn't know everything that's about to happen. But he's like, no, but I know what I did see. I yeah. saw your body burn and be buried by the snow. And it was like, okay, Jojen. Okay, like, Joe. okay. Like, I don't know. So I think, I don't know. I might, you know, Jojen, yeah, he doesn't get, doesn't get a whole lot of screen time at all, but I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll give him a character. Go ahead and slide him one, you know? Yeah. And 
because I know we're going to get over in another one or two. So that's true. Yeah, it was the only reason I was going with Oberyn is because we just learned that he was a poet as well, and then well, not a very um, good one, as he puts it. Well, I mean that he's he's probably humble. You know, maybe, who knows? He could he could be. No, I fully expect it's a fantastic poem yeah. he just wrote. Um, but uh, I think I don't know. Jojen probably can't get a whole lot of. Whole you know, maybe maybe on. another one, maybe. And it wouldn't yeah. be until season six, probably. You know, so it's like, yeah. Thank all. I don't know. I might. I might. What thought are you gonna do? Because I mean, it. I don't know. Really, really cool scenes there, like uh, with him and Bran. Like, uh, like don't worry, Bran. Like you're not even here, bro. And he's like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> you know, like what are you talking, are you about, talking about? And then, like another very beautiful scene there. Yeah, the like visual effects. The... They are mm-hmm. fucking gorgeous. Um. And I wanted to ask, like, whenever, um, like, they're like, how will we know whenever the end is here? And he's, like, looking at his hand, and it's on fire right there. Um, is that how he dies? Like, I was wondering how Jojen dies. Because I, it's, like, stabbed at, a bunch of times. Yeah, um, it's, like, at the, yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't think he got burned. But I was wondering, like, they do have to burn his body so that so they do they they like we actually see that happen. Like, I'm pretty sure that he gets carried. Oh, maybe he doesn't get carried in. Maybe he does. Is it just, just like a big swarm of whites, and we just don't see what happens to him. But he'll probably be resurrected and join their army. You know, or I like, yes, but that feels that feels. Uh, I don't. That doesn't feel right to me. I feel like either. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is just kind of that unceremonious. You know, maybe it is just he dies and he. I was wondering why, right. like, because it's like, how will we know the end? And he's looking at his own hand and like it burning. And he's like, oh, you'll know. Like, you know, you'll yeah. you'll know. And I was wondering if that's like, is that how he died? And that's like he's looking into his own, you know, kind of future or whatever. He saw how he died, but he, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I was I trying know. to think that's of what the I'm not real sure. fire meant. Um, I was more impressed by how they did that. The hand on fire. Yeah, like how. Yeah. That's was that a, actual fire? Pra- or was... Practically, that's pretty impressive. Because um, I don't think that was fake fire. Um, it looked very good. Yeah, and like, yeah, you even like, saw like little smoke. Like I, I know, know there's looked... like prosthetic... Mm. hands they can use to like do that sort of thing which might be why his hand doesn't move a lot why it's kind of mm. in this one position um but regardless it, it was a, it was an impressive impressive little bit of practical filmmaking there mm. um because i can't one thing that i love i love game of thrones for is that whenever visual effects are utilized it looks like it a little bit like it and not in a bad way but it looks fantastical like it mm-hmm. the way the the tree yeah. looked and stuff in the background like that doesn't look real and it's not supposed to like it's supposed to be fan- fantastical yeah. and fantasy stuff mm-hmm. uh they, I, I don't uh, they're so practical about so much that i don't think they just like visual effects in some fire there and fake lit up his face and stuff you know like Mm-hmm. Pretty sure there was fire in mm-hmm. his hand there. Um, yeah. How they did that, I don't know. It's impressive, though. Um, I'm like, I know they've set entire people on fire for this. So mm-hmm. That is true. Can't yeah, imagine they, they were like, let's yeah, draw hand. the line at someone's hand. <laughs> yeah. But, I don't know, I think, I don't know, I do I do like Jojen here. I think I, I don't know. I was I was seeing if I'm, like, jumping the gun a little too much and, and you know, if he actually deserves it or not. But I think, I don't know, he was... 
I like I like checking in with Brand and his story, and I think he gave it like a very just a, an interesting twist. Like he was very mysterious here, and like his I don't know. Even like Mira was like like I don't know what the fuck he's back talking about. It. Yeah, he's like, oh damn, okay. Um, I'm looking I'm looking at it now. The fire. And he, yeah, he, I, I look. He looks at his hand first, and it's just him looking at his hand. But then it turns into like his perspective, and then like you actually see it on fire. I don't, fingers are moving. Like he moves his face. Like yeah, that's bizarre. That's weird. Yeah, that's like. But it does light up his face, like and flickering. Like, hmm. Yeah, I wonder. I yeah, wonder I know there's. I know there's face. ways to do that. You know, so I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how they might have gone about that. But regardless, I just thought that was an impressive little bit of practical filmmaking. But mm. uh, regardless, at this moment, Rast rushes in to warn Carl that the keep is under attack, and John's party rushes through the defenses and starts killing the traitorous former brethren. And in the confusion, Locke slips into the hut and attempts to abduct Bran. Uh, but Bran wargs into Hodor. And he separates Locke's head from his body. Let's go, Hodor or Bran, I guess, in Hodor's body. But, I feel uh, bad for Hodor more than anything in this yeah, scene. Yeah, these, um, these, you know, we had we got twenty eight Hodors this episode, but I don't no. really feel that it, it's it's a good. It is a dub, but they were all very frightened Hodors. Yeah, none of these were like a a nice, calm Hodor. They were always like either Hodor, like, oh, I'm worried, Hodor. I'm worried, or. Hodor, like the one Hodor he gave after he like came back into his body, he he looked at his hands and he was like, Hodor, like he was like am, like he was like contemplating like his own existence for a second like, there in that one, I, Hodor, you know, yeah, like did um, I do this? Yeah, and ah, uh, just am I a man or a monster? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, but twenty eight of them, um, it's which a is a lot of Hodors, makes yeah. me think I undershot my prediction for the door episode big time because I think yeah, I, I think went with like thirty three or something you know, like with that. Forty four, yeah, um, so... forty four feels a lot more believable after after a twenty eight mm. outing like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll we'll see when we get there because that's we shall. That's a little ways down the road, but um, but yeah, yeah no, regardless. This... Uh, Bran uh, and and the team are all watching John be a badass, and Bran calls for him. But Jojen tells him he's got to make a choice. You know, do you want to find the Three Eyed Raven, or do you want John to stop us and take us back to Castle Black? Because that's what'll happen. Uh, and he's like, you know what? Let's fucking go then. Uh, and it's just so sad every time they like see each other. They're at the same place at the same time, but they don't do anything about it. It always breaks my uh, heart. Yeah, at the top of the castle, they're seeing him down yeah. there fighting the wildlings, and then it's like he's right here. He even like says John, John, and like yeah. calling out to him. And it's like, ah, like would it? Would he really? I guess yeah. No, he would take him back to Castle Black. Yeah, like, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Jojen's right, and it's just. But man, like at least at least Bran gets this moment. You know, like. Mm. I guess he can get it. Well, he's not the three-eyed raven yet. He can't really check in anywhere, but he could vorg and I guess go check in on people. Right. I guess I don't know if he's done that or not. But like, oh no, it's nice that he he gets to see John just being a badass here, just slicing down people, kind of becoming the man he always wanted to become, yeah. which is cool. Um, and he gets to see that in its full form instead of him fighting, you know, fighting wildlings and kind of just mm. not having the upper hand, having to escape essentially is what is the last time he saw him mm-hmm. yeah uh, but this time he's watching him very handily fuck up dudes like it's not even close um mm-hmm. 
But oh, the yeah. Night's Watch swiftly overcomes the traitors, and John confronts Carl in single combat. Always kills me that this dude's name is just Carl. <laughs> Carl. Uh, Carl. Yeah. Carl's um, always been a funny name to me. Sorry to any Carl <laughs> listeners. Uh, it's just a. I, I I don't know what it is about it. Uh, it's it's just something that every always... time I hear, I think of The Walking Dead, and uh, like I, I haven't really watched the whole show, but just the. I don't even remember the main character's name is how much I don't know. But I know his son is Carl. And the way he – Carl. He always just says Carl. Very, Carl. Very, yeah, um, with a lot of emphasis. So that, that's – every time I hear Carl, that's all I think about. But uh, – Yeah, I don't know what it is about the name. It's always made me – it's always made me giggle a little bit, Carl. Definitely not uh, a Game of Thrones name, though. Yeah. You, know, like you yeah. wouldn't expect a Carl just to be in Game of Thrones, but – uh. Oh, well, it's, it's a, K. a K. Yeah, so so it is. So pretty it's a Game little bit more. Cast. It's a little bit more Game of Thronesy because it's not a C. Uh, yeah. But regardless, he Carl kind of bests John here because he's he's not afraid to fight dirty. Dirty, you know. He tells him, you know, would you would you come up in a castle, mm-hmm. learn to fight with honor, and uh, as uh, as he's about to kill John, one of Craster's wives and daughter, uh, Sissy, stabs him from behind with an axe. Uh, and when Carl turns around on her, John goes ahead and does what is most likely considered a dishonorable thing. Mm-hmm. Did a little, did a little dirty work here, uh, and stabs him through the back of the skull and out his mouth, hey. uh, killing him. Hey, I'm all good with that. You oh know, yeah. Carl just spat sure. in John's face and knocked him down to the ground, was going to kill him. I, and you know what? John was like, well, I need to kill him fast here or else he's going to kill this woman. So he's like, well, and might as well do it in a very badass way. Um, was, uh, was, yeah, I don't know. You were this, this sword fight. I'm like, man, I don't know why I don't remember this sword fight at all. Like, it's I, a quick like, one. I was it's not long. But, yeah. But I love like the fight itself. You're right. It was kind of chaotic. And you didn't get to really see a whole lot of it, but I think like the, a lot of times that there's a fight, sometimes it's just a fight for a fight. But this one was like, Carl was talking to him the whole time. And I like yeah. like the, the, the back and forth. Of like making a lesson in this for John, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's to teach him that he's in the real world, and if you want to, shit ain't always gonna be sweet. Mm -hmm. You got to do what you got to do, and uh, but no, this this ended up being my favorite scene, not necessarily for the fight, but for just I think all of what's happening here. Like one, it's really easy to get behind killing all of these people that are just raping and abusing all these women here at Craster's Keep, and I'm like, yeah. All for that. I'm already there. But then, like, um, the aftermath of, like, after it's all done, like, and, and just seeing, like, all the women there and, like, uh, you know, John being like, hey, like, you know, like, come with me. Like, after the fight with Carl, she's like, all right, come with me. And like, even she's, like, kind of, like, hesitant. You know, like, John, very good guy, just killed Carl and all. Um, but she's still like, I don't know, because like, well, the Night's Watch, I thought we we're going to be great, but then they came here and look what they did. And and then, yeah, yeah they're he, like, you know, we'll probably be cool on our own for a while. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I think it was, I don't know what that's that's very brave on them. You know, maybe like just take the trip back to Castle Black and then just be beyond the wall wherever you want to go. But hey, I mean, fair they, enough. Like, they, I mean, they're that, wildlings, you know, this, they is, have, where the, this is their ground. They've been through it, that's for sure. They had Craster and then some Night's Watch brothers come through and do the same thing. I she think said, it, she said, "Hey, not a lot worse can come our way." Yeah, it was uh, was fair enough here, and I don't know. I think uh, the last shot, at least, was 
was very nice. Like the whenever mm-hmm. Crash Keep is going up and like burning. Oh, that's down. another just a good example of how practical filmmaking can always be very fulfilling compared to a, a visual effects shot of a fake cabin burning down. Mm-hmm. Like what I also like is you can tell this is like a set, mm-hmm. which you know is is cool. I I I never think that's necessarily a bad thing, especially in a scenario like this. I'd much prefer that you do a controlled burning like this on a set instead of in the actual woods not in the middle of a yeah that's that's Uh, true (laughs) and it and it it has this sort of theatricality about it that i really appreciate them watching Mm. it go up in flames which uh, i thought was really really cool i loved the reunion with ghost you know Uh, i hadn't seen him in a while probably since before season three i think it's been since the end of season two that he last saw ghost um yeah, and you'd you'd expect like I kind of th- like he's like come here, and I thought he'd be like run and jump on John, give him a hug, but then you got to realize like can't really do that with the CGI direwolf, yeah. you know, like that'd be way too hard. So yeah, all their interactions are always like the exact framing they yeah. have here, <laughs> uh, where John's knelt down right in front of him, looking at a green tennis ball, just stroking yeah. that. Just petting um, a tennis ball, yeah, like yeah. ah, my boy, my my, you know, but uh, yeah, no. I, you're right about it looking like very theatrical, like them just standing there, just watching it burn down. Like, um, I don't know. And even whenever like that big thing falls, you know, like mm. at, on the top, you know, of of the the hut there. And I don't know. I, I really, I liked the the scene. Just, I think it was just a lot, very action packed. That's for sure. Like, I, I don't really think that's why I'm choosing it for my scene. I think it was just a lot of. I liked the Jojen parts. Um, like Bran and like the, them talking, and then like the decision that Bran had to make of being like, "All right, you know, I'll I'll go. Like, let's let's get our things, go free the dire wolves, and we'll be on our way." Um, and just I mean, I mean, it was the end of the episode, so it is kind of like the easy scene to choose, I guess. Right. Um, but I don't know. I, I did I did really like it, and the the fight, you know, actually taught taught John a lesson there, and he he'll remember that, and then. Seeing also Locke, you know, die. I, that that was was kind of nice. Just Hodor snapping his neck clean off, and then the guys being like, "Who the hell could have done that to the like? What the fuck? Like, like they were like, yeah, we had like five brothers die, and then they brought in Locke, and they're like, what the fuck? Like, what happened to this guy? Yeah, like, what could um, fucking do this to a man? Yeah. Um, and then they're like, ah, whatever. Well, he's dead. Throw him in the hut. Burn him. You know, don't want him to come back. Um, so. But yeah, and oh yeah, Rast getting killed. Like he he was oh just running, yep. yeah, running, and then Ghost gets a gets a nice little snack, uh, which was nice. W, um, yeah, <laughs> loved that shit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so let's that give would, this bad boy a rating. Then what do you say? I think we're ready for it. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, like the lowest uh, this season was an eight two five for enjoyment. Um, and that was Breaker of Chains episode three. Um. I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm kind of like around there, like uh, maybe like an eight, even like uh, like I don't know, eight eight five eight to eight five is kind yeah, of yeah. That's uh, kind of where I was. Um, I think I think an eight straight up is fair. You know, like I I think this is the there's least. not a lot of episodes that I I feel underwhelmed by in Game of Thrones, and this mm-hmm. is one that I did truly feel underwhelmed by, and. It was still enjoyable in so many parts, and we made a point to point those those scenes out. You know, there's a lot of great interactions and a lot of great character work. It's 
Mm-hmm. Not a lot of big story, I don't think, but it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of interesting little character interactions, kind of building them out a little bit. Um, and that stuff I really enjoy, but uh, I do think uh, there was something there was something missing that I think could have could have brought this up a little bit more. So I'm comfortable with an eight. Is an eight too high? Um, I mean, I, I was looking back at the lowest we've ever given anything is a seven, and that was episode three of season one. Um, and I think that's the only seven there is in enjoyment. Yeah, everything else is looks like yeah in the eights. Um, but I think I think eight is fair. Like this is still a season four episode. Yeah, no, like it's it still is, it's still it's really like, really good. You know, like I'm not I'm not out here. I think the worst thing this show can do, and any television or movie can do, is be boring you know, not interest me at all. And this had plenty that kind of Mm. stood out to me as interesting. So it's like, it at least got me thinking in a lot of regards, you know, Mm -hmm. even if it was just about the filmmaking, like that's, that's something I still enjoy thinking about, you know? So like, uh, Mm -hmm. I I had a good time with this one, uh, relatively. Um, Now critically, I guess, um, it's a solid one. What's uh? What's our lowest of the season? I thought right? you meant one. I was like, whoa, really? That bad? I'm like a one? Oh, like, no. It's, it's, it's a yeah. solid episode, I should say. I was like, solid, solid one? one? Yeah, okay. Uh, the lowest this season was a seven, and that was episode three as well. Um, let's see. Is there anything lower yeah, than that? That one, that one was an issue of writing. Yeah, that was I do Jamie, not have right? issues with uh, the writing to that extent. Um, something that I will give episode three credit for in relevance to this is that it was a it was a better looking episode. There's a lot of stuff I can remember visually about mm-hmm. that one. Um, That's true. Uh, so it's just kind of like I think you're kind of just swapping that. You know, you can always count on the performances. I think, mm-hmm. uh, and I will say I think even the writing could have been better in this one. You know, we did have some to say about how kind of awkward and clunky it can be at points. Um. So I think we might be looking at another another seven ish here. Yeah, I think I think it might be like that might be fair. You're right about how it just kind of swapped like the like we had like a big thing of Jamie that we really didn't like there and that just kind of hindered it down. But this one you didn't have one of those. Maybe Lysa a little bit, a like little how bit, they but... treated her a little bit. But like it was just kind of a little just underwhelming. Like they could have. I don't know necessarily what they could have done. Uh, or like I just think I that D and D have this way of writing uh, women's sexuality in a really, really bizarre way that doesn't come off as believable often. Mm. You know, uh, there's so I, I'd be interested to see how this compares to the books, the Lysa interactions with Peter, because there's there's something later on in the show that like is a movie or is a show original line that's just horrendously written it's one of oberon's daughters later on in the show talking to braun and mm-hmm. he she says something like uh you need a good girl but you want the bad pussy Eesh. is that like, like come on is that like when that's they're in the not set, from like, the book yeah that is a okay. real thing that is said in the show though wow yeah they're uh, yeah i don't know they're they got something going on I don't know, like... And or it, you and want it, a good girl and you need the bad pussy or something like that. It's just like, dude, like, ugh. There's, it's I like, think they have a they have a weird they have a weird fetish, fetishization something. thing there's, going on. 
of yeah. just uh women's sexuality at large and i think that like uh it it's one of the more poorly handled things about this show across the board is women in sexual situations i think the like legit only well handled sexual encounter might be john and danny's and even that is incestual you know it's like uh (laughs) yeah yeah no yeah it's all kind of weird you know maybe pod uh, Pod just John giving Ron the girls Pod. an actual good time. They didn't yeah. need to pay. They gave them the gold back. That's that's. Well, I guess kind of even. Still, still, yeah, yeah never mind. Still. Like it's like it's like uh, they're making. Yeah, maybe I, some yeah, Oberon scenes. I think they do a good job with. You mm-hmm. know, just kind of being yeah. like, because that's not a like. It's not unbelievable that these people are just like. Because the other thing is the uh, one of the things that doesn't lead me to believe. Lysa is this horny for Peter is that I just don't, I just can't believe Peter's got it like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, like yeah. when it comes to like Oberyn and the people in the scenes with Oberyn, I can, <laughs> I can believe that, you know, like little finger though, there's no way he's a got house, it. Though. He does run a whorehouse. But he said on numerous occasions that, that's, yeah, that he doesn't take part he, he in that. He doesn't do that. Yeah, you're right. It, it is just her making it seem that way. Yeah. Like, yeah. She's trying well, to, she's trying to, get Sansa to confess something she didn't do. So like, uh, yeah, you know, he's like, mm. he even explains it to a couple of the, of the prostitutes in his employee. Whenever he's mm. like, uh, I, I've only had eyes for one woman, you know, uh, that's true. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. So I'm like, it, yeah, it's very just strange. strange. And that, that, and so that's one of those things where it's like, it's gotta be believable on all ends. You know, uh, I, I, I don't believe that. Uh, Aiden Gillen is a is a fine is a fine looking man, but uh, Littlefinger is not does not have sexual prowess. You know, like that is not that is not a person who gets down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, no, no. But did we did we agree on a seven? There is that what you? I'm, I'm go cool with the seven. Yeah, because that that then makes it the lowest of this season. Uh, by yeah, a little, I'd, a I'd agree bit. with that. Just overall underwhelming. Yeah, uh, it's at a seven three three. Uh, which episode three was at a seven four two, and I, I do think that they, you know just the enjoyment, just that little bump in enjoyment, like an eight two five versus an eight of this one. I think that that is true. Like I think I did enjoy episode three a little more. There was just more going on. It was just the one kind of Jamie thing yeah, it was that was one like, scene ah. that, ru- that ruined yeah, anything. Like, and mm-hmm. so I think I think that is that is fair there. Um, well, that's the other thing too is that I think we were just so overwhelmingly nice to the show because it's so fucking good that like an eight seems bad, um, an eight out of ten for anything else is great. You know, like that's that's that speaks volumes about this show. Um, we were far harsher on it than IMDb. This this got a seventy three out of us. It got an eight point six over there. Mm. Um, which IMDb is very very nice to game of thrones in these middle seasons as well which is mm-hmm. something rare for imdb they're usually it's usually a little bit more uh middle of the road but regardless uh okay, i feel good yeah. about it next episode just click the little arrow to see what the next episode is rated nine seven and it's Tyrion's trial yeah i think that's, that's actually uh, fair we're back this, on our bullshit there yeah um, this, ep- this next episode's gonna be for, oh, Yara and her troops storm the Dreadfort to free mm. Theon. Daenerys oh, this is a goodie. Hizard or Lorax. I'm going to go ahead and go out Lake. on a limb here mm-hmm. and say that, uh, you know, 
Peter Dinklage is probably a shoe in for another couple performance nods Ooh. next week as oh yeah that might be his best performed sequence in his entire career my is that by combat yeah just oh, everything leading up to that mm. another thing of note is that this this next episode is written once again by Brian Cogman who is much better at writing the show than D&D mm. uh so i'm very very excited for that i think this uh, was it's the also third directed episode. by Alex it's also directed by Alex Sakharov, who's had a good run of episodes in this uh, in this show so far for us. That's good. No, I like that. And I don't know. I was uh, I like my boy Tyrion. That's for sure. And this was an episode completely without him, and that's very rare in the show. That's this is the third episode total of the show that doesn't have Peter Dinklage in it. Ah, oh, that's right. Tyrion was absent when I was reading through the little trivia. There, there was like kind of a a lot of people. We didn't get Davos. We didn't get no, Stannis. It was five. It was five locations, you know. So like, we didn't. Yeah. We didn't do a lot. Um, but, but I mean, it. Yeah. I, next episode, we'll we'll be we'll be right back. There. We're back on our bullshit next week. Like that one will be near perfect. I have to guess. Um, wondering who else wasn't in there because there was there was like a lot of people that weren't in this one, and it was like part of the trivia that was like, "Yo, notice how many people weren't in here." Yeah, Theon. Sam yeah, Tarly, Samwell, Stannis, Tyrion, um, Tormund, Shay, Egret, Gilly, Ramsey, Melisandre, um, Stannis, and Davos, Bron. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, I guess um, kind of a lot of people that we didn't didn't check in with, but uh, might be one of those reasons where it was like a little over a little underwhelming where we usually can get a lot more done and check in mm. with everybody and it kind of feels yeah feels better i don't know usually whenever there are less locations it's more of like something big happens at one of those mm-hmm. locations you know and like, i guess the craster's keep mm. was supposed to be like the big thing of this episode um and i thought that that i love that scene i love that scene for what it does for bran which is something mm-hmm. i didn't really recall it being fulfilling for um you know, I remembered it being like John. John kills a guy by stabbing him through the back of the head, and it comes out his mouth. Like that's what I remembered. Like mm. I was like, that shot just sticks with you. Um, but it, it, the character work with Bran in that moment's a lot more impactful than I really remembered. So I really mm. appreciated that. But yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that'll be it for this week of we Winter go. is Blooming. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you would head to Patreon.com/slash PennyBloomPod, where you'll find over fifty hours of exclusive content. Uh, I've begun writing once again, and uh, sometime today or tomorrow, I'm going to try and get a review out of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which I was uh, I was, I was surprisingly happy with. You know, I didn't have high hopes, mm. and I think they they, they were uh, my expectations were met and then some. Uh, so that'll be that'll be a good review over there. For a dollar fifty, you get access to my written reviews, which is a lot of fun. I recently reviewed The Flash. I reviewed The Little Mermaid. Um, I might even review past lives and across the spider verse here soon because I saw those this weekend as well. Um, so all that for a dollar fifty a month. Uh, and then if you go to three dollars a month, you can get all our audio content and fictional work. Uh, just a couple days ago, July 1st, uh, my first little short story was published over there and I'm very, very happy with it. It's called him and her. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited for people to read it. It feels, it feels good. Uh, I'll be damned if I write for free though. So the only, the only way you're going to see it is if you pay for it. Um, which, uh, 
you know, I feel like I'm valuing my, mm-hmm. my creative sensibility a little bit there. So I would appreciate mm-hmm. it if you did too. Uh, head to Twitter, follow at Penny Bloom Pod, follow on Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast. Remember to leave a five star rate and review wherever it is that you might be listening. Uh, let's see. This Wednesday, we begin our director spotlight for Christopher Nolan with mm. The Prestige. Mm. We're doing uh, three movies in anticipation of Oppenheimer, which I'm very excited about. So we've got The Prestige this week. Dunkirk next week and Tenet the week after that, all in anticipation of Oppenheimer. Uh, we are continuing our comic book movie journey through film this Friday with Blade Trinity. Uh, and that was a surprisingly fun one. It was it was one that was uh, mm-hmm. it, it hit a little bit more satisfyingly than I would have thought. So that's a good episode. Um, and let's see. Yeah, we'll be back next week with Winter is Blooming for season four, episode six. And uh, I'm I'm extremely excited for that. But uh, Mm. with that, I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. And remember, peace, love, and bloom. And I will do what queens do. I will rule.